Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Friday, and you know what that means. I got my man Drake at Drake's PC back on the damn program. We're talking about how to operate in an immature market and find some of those opportunities. Doing that, the backdrop is wrestling cards. Doesn't matter if you collect wrestling. It could be other adjacent cards, stuff that might not be complete mainstream. I think there's something you'll learn from this one. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Most importantly, tell a damn friend that you're enjoying this. We'll be doing a companion piece Friday night. TBD, check out the IG. We'll be going live on Instagram, showing off some of these bangers and wrestling cards, talking about scarcity, shiny stuff, all that goodness. But without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, Stacking Slabs family? Back in 2022 with the first conversation with a collector. I'm joined by a reoccurring guest on the show. I got my man, Drake. You might know him. From Drake's PC, his Instagram account, who, man, you really, uh, I, I had to take a step back and look on uh, January 1st when you posted all of your one-on-ones, uh, one-of-ones, uh, pretty impressive stuff. Was, was that all compiled and all the cards that you grabbed this past year? Well, thank you, Brett. Well, happy 2022. I'm uh, very honored to be your first guest on the show. But yeah, those were all compiled over past past year, 2021. Uh, lots of pickups. So it was pretty cool to break those out and, you know, set them all aside and just kind of think about the story behind, you know, acquiring each of those and whether it was in an auction or through a trade or something like that. So as you do uh, quite a bit, you know, you take your cards out and it's always, it's always fun to remember the story and, you know, that kind of thing. You have in me as well, maybe towards the end of this last year, we were buying maybe at a more, a more accelerated pace. And I don't know if you can relate with this, but like I would, I would get cards and throw them in my like Zion case and then like not look at my cards for a week or two. And then I would go through my cards and like, it, it was like maybe when I got it for the mail day and took a picture, that was my only time with it. And I, I almost forgot about it. And then like, I just because of the, the volume of stuff I was getting and then I'd look at it and then have, like that second round of appreciation where it's like, I almost forgot that I purchased it. I don't know. Did, could you, can you relate with that at all based on oh, your man. purchases? Like 100%. And I've talked to people about that. You know, it's, it's kind of those things where you want your cards out and you want them to be displayed, but at the same time, you've got to protect them, you know, from sunlight or somebody were to break into your house or something like that. So it kind of stinks. You can't just leave them sitting out all the time, you know, where you can see them. But uh, for, for Christmas, you know, I kind of made a, like a Peyton Manning Christmas tree and a uh, wrestling Christmas tree. And it, and it was cool to just break everything out and go through and try to see, okay, you know, do I want to put this one there? Do I not want to put it there? Um, and just because it didn't make the tree, it doesn't mean it's a, you know, not a card that I wanted to like or keep or something like that, but it was nice to go through that process and see that. And it, it was actually good for me because there's been a few occasions where, where a card pops up, you know, whether it's on eBay, PWCC, or I want it and I want to click buy it now. And then I'm like, wait, I've got that one already. (laughs) You know, and I'm not one to buy like doubles of things. So um, it's definitely a good exercise to do. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, we've, we've had some of, you have sent me stuff 
that you know I like or collect and you'll send me the link on Instagram and I'll ha- there'll be a moment of like, especially with the parallel stuff. It's like, do I have that color? I cannot remember. So let me go run up and check before I respond back. But um, I think maybe that's, we're going to be talking a little bit about parallels. We're going to talk about just some, some scarcity, some opportunities. And I think last week I talked with uh, Justin um, charger 21 and, we're, he he got in, got into the F one stuff and the conversation was was about F one cards, but then if you kind of zoomed out a little bit, it was more about like operating in an immature market. And I feel like we yeah, we you and I collect Peyton stuff, which is a, a pretty mature market and it's maturing and more people are coming in. But then we also collect this wrestling stuff, and I think just for listeners, just to set the stage, even if you do not collect wrestling cards, I think there'll be something that. Um, you can pick up from this conversation, but I think the the at the top, it's like how to how can we find opportunities and benefit from a market that's um, really trying to form. And so maybe we'll start here, Drake. Wrestling cards in January January first, twenty twenty one, to wrestling cards as we're recording this January third, twenty twenty two. I think for me personally, it's been like the dram- most dramatic shift in terms of like my attention focus and then the market itself. Um, I guess, how would you look at this past year and just your own collecting and the wrestling card market? Yeah. I mean, I think it's grown quite a bit. You're seeing more people talk about it than maybe you did previously. There's new people that are coming in and you kind of look at them, you're maybe question their motives. Like, are they actually collectors or are they just, you know, coming in for the money aspect of it? You know, really, what are they in boat growth in, in a, you know, really the vintage side of things, obviously the 1982 wrestling all-stars and, you know, the 85s and mid eighties and, you know, those kind of sets. Um, but then I think we're starting to see, um, especially in the high modern and stuff, um, there's been some growth there, but I think that collector base is growing, but then I think you're also seeing, um, you know, some of the, the long-term collectors, right. They're kind of questioning. They're like, I don't really know if this is for me because these prices are getting really expensive which to other sport card collectors still seems, I don't want to say cheap, but inexpensive comparatively when you're looking at, you know, the same parallel of a card or something across multiple sports. Yeah. And I think a good dividing point is just thinking about which people have talked about wrestling cards as just a whole. And I think we need to start like breaking that, that niche down into some segments where you mentioned the all-stars. And I think just for listeners, because this can be related to adjacent, uh, sports or adjacent entertainment cards or whatever. But when you look at like wrestling cards, pre maybe tops gaining the license, it's really about, I want to, there's a card out there and I want to pick it up. And if you are someone else and you want to pick it up, you can go pick it up too, because there really wasn't serial numbering or artificial, uh, scarcity built into these sets where, People who wanted to go get a, a Hogan 82 All-Star can go buy one. Now, if you want to talk about the condition of that and grading, that's a whole nother conversation. But I think the mindset from existing collectors have just been like always at a pretty affordable rate. Since I'm a collector, I can go pick up this card. I can get it on eBay or go to you know a show or find someone else with it. it no big deal. And that, I think, has changed significantly in recent years. And I think it will change even more. So maybe like share some perspective just on your end about like 
legacy collectors in wrestling cards and someone like you who's coming in who collects in other sports and really likes the rare and scarce stuff. And I don't want to call you a disruptor, but I'm going to call you a disruptor based on the money you're putting into the wrestling card market based on you wanting these cards that there might might not be a lot of copies of. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I think you hit the nail right on the head as far as the legacy collectors and, you know, looking at the vintage cards. And I think that's an important point is, you know, you look at a 1982 Wrestling All-Stars or like an OPG or something like that, and those cards are available. You know, it may not be in the grade you want. It may not be a PSA 9 or PSA 10 or something like that. Um, but you, if you want an 82 All-Stars of Hogan or Andre or Flair, you know, name your favorite wrestler from the set. You can definitely find that really pretty much at any time, you know, on any of the sites. Um, and then you kind of move forward and, you know, these newer sets and parallels and things like that, you know, you've got your one of ones and you got your golds out of 50 and, you know, things like that. And, and I look at it, the price that the cards are selling for, you would have to bust open a lot of boxes to get those cards. Right. And when you look at it in total, whether it's a out of 10 or out of 50 or out of five or whatever, you know, there's only that many in the whole world. and you know, when, when you just, it, to me, it's just a cost type thing, right? So let's just look at the Vince McMahon superfractor from Topps Transcendent. So there's 47 superfractors, if I, if I looked at the checklist, checklist correct, correctly. Vince McMahon is one of those. And so when those were coming out and they were $13,000 a case, right? Whatever 13,000 times, you know, 47 is, is a heck of a lot of money to try to ensure that you get in. And so, you know, when that card came to auction and you look at it and it's like, well, you know, that Vince is, you know, if you pay less than $13,000 for that card, it's, it's worth it because, you know, yeah, you don't get all the other cards that go with it and you may not like it and all that kind of stuff. But to me, when I, when I'm doing my buying and figuring out what I want to buy, you know, of course it's wrestlers I collect and the nostalgia and things like that. But when I'm thinking about it from an investment purpose, it's okay how many cases would I have to open to potentially get this card? And what would that cost me? And that to me is what makes the buying decision very easy. Yeah. And I think what's important too, I, I love the breakdown in just your thought process. I think what's important too on the, um, I will classify them as vintage stuff or maybe that OPG, Wrestling All-Stars, 85 Tops, all those things, all those sets and cards. I think what's important is, for us as people who are collecting scarcity with wrestling cards, I don't want to discount what those vintage, and even though it's not serial numbered, it's importance. And I think the way I have been looking at it, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, but if you look at like the, the, the Hogan, right. A lot of people would say that is the most important wrestling card of all wrestling cards, which I I couldn't refute. I, 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 it's tough to refute that, but with, everyone being able to not everyone but it being more accessible conditions another story but it being more accessible i really view that card in parallel to like an 86 flare jordan card where it's yeah if i wanted to right now i could get on ebay and go buy the card yeah the grade might vary and the cost based on grade but there's the vintage game and i know people don't classify the 80 six flare as necessarily vintage, but that's the adjacent parallel that I'm trying to draw when I'm thinking about like ultra modern scarce cards and like 
wrestling cards of the past. Like, what what do you think about that? Oh yeah, no, I think that's a that's a great comparison with the '82 All Stars. Yeah, it's a 40 year old card, but again, they're out there, just like the '86 Fleer. You know, it's out there. The 1980 Tops with Magic Bird and Dr. J. Um, you know, the '93 Jeter SP. Right, you can find that card at any time. And I think as my, you know, we talked about previously looking from last year to this year, that's the way that I've evolved a little bit is, you know, used to it was, hey, if it's a Peyton Manning card, I want it in my collection. And then now whenever my save searches come up and it's, you know, it's always a Bowman Chrome PSA 10. And it's like, that's always somebody's posting that every single day or, you know, every other day or something like that. And now I'm looking at, okay, what's something that doesn't come up every day, maybe sells a couple times a year, or there's just not that many copies or something like that. And like, that's the type of stuff that I want in my collection. You know, and it's not to, it's not in like a stuck up snobby kind of way. It's just, I just enjoy seeing things and being able to share things with people that you don't see all the time. And so I think that's, that's kind of how my collecting has evolved. Now that doesn't mean I still don't have those other cards. Like I've got the 82 All-Stars, I've got the 85, you know, like OPG of Hogan. Um, you know, I've got the Undertaker Merlin. Um, those are out there. I'll I'll have those forever. But in terms of what I'm looking for now, it's the rare and scarce cards. You know, it's those numbered cards and especially the shiny cards. So the shiny cards is a good transition. I think everything you just described is what I seek as a collector. And in my collection is I want something, I think a card of a, a wrestler that I can connect with, whether it's nostalgia or someone modern who I really appreciate built-in scarcity and the shine, right? So I, I, I love the refractor. I love the, the prism feel. Those are the, my favorite types of cards to collect. And I think this past year there have been, I had been out scooping up a bunch of cards that I thought based on the significance of the set in the long run, and the built-in scarcity and all the attributes lining up, I, I'd buy these cards. And I think an example would be maybe the 2014 Topps Chrome Gold Refractors. I'd buy these cards and I'd say, man, like I'd probably pay triple what, whatever I'm buying now. And whenever you get that feeling as a collector and you see opportunities like that, it, it adds up quickly because it feels like you're just hitting a bunch of singles, but you have conviction and confidence and you start going all in. And so I was doing this. And I think part of you and I talking, I found out you were doing this. And so we kind of collectively collaborated on just like, okay, what are you seeing? What do you like? And then we'd share information that way. Um, So while other collectors who have been in wrestling cards for a while might look at the price of maybe what I'm paying for a 2014 Paul Bear gold refractor and be like, this guy's freaking crazy where I look at it and be like, oh, that's not like I'd pay double. And I don't want to say that it's like snobby, but it's just, I think the kind of the, where I see things going might be a little different from where existing collectors in that space have been and what they've been doing. Um, Just maybe share some thoughts on just like on that in general, because I think you and I have been kind of spinning up uh, a lot of conversations around that topic. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's an interesting comparison. Now, you know, we're not going to sit here and say that the wrestling collector slash investor base slash flipper, whatever is as big in wrestling as it is in other sports, right? But when you look at it just from a price comparison and, you know, the superstar level. So, you know, let's just take a, a Hulk Hogan, for example. 
you know, you could compare him and say, Hey, he's the, the Michael Jordan of wrestling, or he's the Tom Brady of wrestling, which is, you know, let's just say that for comparison purposes. Well, from a top standpoint, he only has one gold refractor, you know, from gold refractor 2015, there's only 50 of them, right? There's only three that are, that are PSA nine. There's no, no PSA tens at this time, right? I'm sure there's some in grading. There will probably be some tens at some point. But when you look at it and you're just like, man, this guy is this. And there's only 50 copies of this guy, you know, the only one, right? And I can get this card for $1,000, right? That just, it seems like a no-brainer when you look at stuff like that. And, you know, when you go to the John Cena's and you go to the Rocks and you can get their gold refractors. And then you go and you look at other sports and you're like, okay, if this guy in wrestling is to Tom Brady or to LeBron or Michael Jordan or something like that, like what do their gold refractors go for? Or if they only have one set, you know, or something like that, that they were in, what does a card like that go for? And, you know, you look on a site like a card ladder and you see, and it's just a lot, a whole lot of commas. Right? <laughs> and you're going, this just doesn't make sense from a standpoint, you know, and it's, it's tough to compare, right? That's not really an apples to apples comparison. but just when you think about the the stardom that some of these guys have had where, you know, you take a rock or a Hulk Hogan or, you know, name your favorite wrestler and what, what have they done? What have they accomplished? Right. They've, they've been in wrestling, they've been in movies, they've been on TV shows, they've had commercials. Um, you know, they're continuing to do things outside of wrestling and it's just, they're, they're so relevant, but from a price comparison standpoint, they're just, they're very inexpensive compared to their other, you know, goat counterparts in other sports. So when I got back into the hobby and then I uh, zeroed in on wrestling cards and trying to understand what was going on, a lot of it was, yeah, these are cool, but everyone, since scarcity is such an important attribute for me, like everyone has access to these and I don't think they're as cool, but then it's when I pulled a layer deeper and started to look into like tops and tops Chrome and be like, well, I've got this Peyton Manning that's, you know, numbered to, 50 and I look over and there's wrestling sets that are tops chrome and there's a John Cena that's numbered to 50. Like that gets me a lot more interested and that motivates me to want to dive in and collect those things. And I don't know about you, but I think I have noticed the more that I have been sharing and other people have been sharing stuff like tops chrome people who might not be wrestling fans now, but we're wrestling fans during the attitude era who are collecting basketball and have Kobe refractors and, you know, LeBron refractors look over and see, you know, a rock refractor and say, wait a minute. Like I didn't know there were refractors and tops Chrome had the license and there were this stuff. And then that, that gets people's attention and gets people interested. So I think like showing people that, there are, yes, they're wrestling cards, but they're actually built in design, just like the cards that you are collecting has caused, I wouldn't say like a, a, a wave of new people, but I think curiosity from, from people who haven't even thought about collecting wrestling. Yeah, it's a curiosity. And I think they see the opportunities where like we've talked about is, you know, crap, you know, it takes tens of thousands of dollars to buy LeBron and Michael Jordan refractors. And it doesn't take that in wrestling, you know, and you can get the same enjoyment from that and the same nostalgic feel, you know, from wrestling cards as you do from the other cards as well, too. Same design, the gold, the shimmers, the pulsars, um, you know, you can get, get signatures from folks. 
you know, like you think about the rock, he only has one signed, you know, wrestling WWF licensed card. That's it. You know, you, I think we've talked about in previous podcasts, you go on eBay looking for a rock autograph. They're just not out there. And so I think, I think people are seeing that and they're taking notice and they're, they're liking that, Hey, you know, there's a lot of artificial scarcity and there's a lot of you know natural scarcity to, to uh, certain things too, of those guys that are, are really all time greats in the world of professional wrestling. No doubt about it. And I want to move, I definitely want to get into maybe like the, the chains of licensing in wrestling cards, just to kind of get into a conversation about that. But I also think uh, I'd love to maybe talk about, I know we shared your rock super fractor story the last time you spoke, but I think talking about like zeroing in on the example of the five timers club and the scarcity around it um, within the tops Chrome set from this year. Um, I think one thing I do know about wrestling card collectors is that, and I'm, I think everyone likes this, but wrestling card collectors really like to break wax. Like they like to rip packs and then go through that experience and then maybe take the cards of the people that they collect and then go liquidate and sell everything else. And so, I mean, and I'm talking about like there are individuals and just being in the weeds that are buying cases and cases. And, you know, we're the, we're the guys on the other side trying to figure out, all right, are you pulling the rock from that? Are you pulling the Cena from that? And so I think just with that, like, it's an interesting ecosystem because we know where they're being broken down and we're on the other ends trying to find those. And there's like power sellers. Um, so for me, it's been fascinating because it's been, although these people are all over the country, you get to know them because they, they play a role in the ecosystem. And so I guess before we jump into five timers club there, is there anything just in that like scenario that you want to comment on that you find interesting as opposed to other segments that you collect in? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the first thing is, like you said, is a lot of those people, they love to break wax and you know, that they know that, Hey, Drake collects John Cena and he likes the rock and Roman reigns and, you know, just the people that you like um, collect and stuff. And so it's nice to have that community around wrestling collectors because and really be immersed in that because you don't really get this a lot. Um, I'll say a little bit in other sports, but I think wrestling is probably the, the best example of it, but they'll reach out to you and they'll say, Hey, Drake, you know, I pulled this, uh, this film strip of, you know, the rock and John Cena, would you like it before, you know, before I posted on eBay or, Hey, you know, I pulled this, this John Cena auto, would you like this before I post it? And so it's good on that aspect because they know kind of what you're looking for. And if it's not somebody they collect, they'll reach out to you on that end. And then I think the other end that kind of talks, speaks to the community side of things is, you know, if there's a card up on eBay, maybe it's, it's like, you know, it's coming up for auction and we'll say it's a Roman Reigns card. Right. And so I know you collect Roman Reigns and I like Roman Reigns as well too, but I'll always reach out to you first and say, Hey, is this one you're going for? Right. And then there's other people as well, too, where a certain card will come up and there's a group of us and we'll reach out to each other because, you know, we want to make sure, hey, we're not bidding each other up on the same card. And, you know, we're wanting to allow people to get, you know, kind of take their turn of getting cards and stuff like that. So I think that's that's a really nice aspect of the community that I think you don't see maybe as much in other, you know, in other other aspects of cards, because, you know, some people could be trying to build up the value of their own collection or, you know, try to pump up the price of a card. Whereas, Hey, we're just a group of collectors and, 
yeah, while values are important and we want our cards values to go up, we also want to make sure that people are able to get cards into their collection that they're they're really going to like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think just going towards like maybe the the five timers club stuff and just as an example to get people to understand just like some of the built-in scarcity around some of these cards. I, we both have agreed that this might be our favorite wrestling card insert ever or one of them. And I, I don't rip much wax, but whenever Chrome comes out, I, I like to get a few boxes just cause it's, you know, an affordable rip in comparison to everything else. And I rip, I think a half a case of Chrome, just not from different, you know, cases, but a half a case total. And I did not one time pull a serial numbered five timers club card. Um, and all of the five timers club cards that I own, I've purchased kind of secondhand or through third party marketplaces. So you've got the, the, the rock, which is a super, which I think is the best card in the whole product. Um, but maybe talk through just like based on you doing the math and just some of the kind of built in scarcity or the scarcity around five timers club, like why you think it's important and significant. And I'm, I'm a testament to saying like, I've never pulled a serial numbered card, even like 99, uh, that da- like down, I, I just haven't. So I, I felt it as a collector, like I've not pulled one. So it gets me to maybe feel like that sets more, more harder to come by than anything else I've been trying to go after. So maybe talk a little bit about five timers club and just like why that's an attractive, uh, insert for you. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll just, Speaking why it's attractive, you know, there's very few five timers. Um, And so, you know, you look at it and just the way the card is done with the framing and they're holding the belt, it kind of speaks to, you know, why that what they were the five timer champ of. And it's just, you know, the wrestler, male or female is on the front of it. And they're just they're looking amazing. Right. You know, like they've got the belt around their waist. Some of them are signed. Um, it's just a, it's just a cool looking card. And it's one where you could say, oh man, if, you know, if I was 10 years old and this was on a poster, it would be on my wall. Right. And so that to me is what screams like, Hey, this is a card that I want to buy. If it's something that I would want on a poster on my wall, you know, kind of first and foremost, but then the second thing is just going back in. And as you, and as you mentioned, it's hard to pull those numbered ones. Right. And so, you know, you, you mentioned that you went through half a case. So let's just say that's like 400 bucks. Right. And, you know, then we see that John Cena red refractor and you recently purchased it for less than $400. So you're sitting there, you're going, that kind of goes back to the, yeah, wax is fun to rip, but it's really hard to pull to get what you want. And when you look at the pricing and say, hey, you know, here's what I want. I can pay this amount and it's cheaper than busting all this wax, hoping that I get it. And if I do get it, maybe it's the wrestler I want, but maybe it's not, you know? And so while it's fun to rip wax, um, you know, if you're doing it, thinking you're going to hit the lottery, you're probably going to be very disappointed. So, you know, I think it's important if just to kind of weigh that, weigh those options, you know, in other sports, you don't always have that, right? Because you may look at it and say, okay, what well, this box is going to cost $5,000, but if I hit this card, you know, this card is going to be worth $20,000, right? So maybe it's worth it to rip some wax because you might hit that card and maybe, you know, you can spend a lot of money very quickly, but at the same time, you've got to say, okay, well, if it's going to cost this much and to maybe those, and it may be who I want, maybe it's not who I want. And this card's currently cheaper than that. That to me seems like a buy. 
I probably have retired from ripping any more uh, Topps Chrome wax because I like based on what you just said in that scene example, I'd rather just take the cash and buy a card that I really want. But I know if I do and I do end up getting my first serial number uh, five timers club, it will for sure be without question. I don't want to not throwing this guy under the bus. He's got a hell of an autograph, but it'll for sure be like an out of 99 William Regal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. He's one of those guys and you're just questioning. You're like, man, that guy had a great career. And, you know, I know he's a great coach and all that kind of stuff, but it's like T and the product, you know, I mean, it's no disrespect to William Regal, but come on, you know, it's like, you think a guy like a Robert Horry, right? He's got tons of championships, but nobody cares about him, you know? I mean, no disrespect to Robert Horry, but uh, yeah, you know, you start looking at William Regals and Lex Lugers and Papa Shango's and those kind of guys, and you're just, gosh, man, come on, let's keep it to people who are relevant. Right? <laughs> Maybe this time next year we'll be talking about it, and Lord William Regal will be the hottest card and whatever product, and it will be a Panini product, so let me, let's transition Maybe to that, um, I think the most we got the most significant news that shook the wrestling card community uh, towards the end of last year, and that was um, Tops uh, losing its license to Panini, and Panini coming in and will be releasing WWE Prism around WrestleMania time. So there will be a lot of hype uh, around that, and then on the other side, it's supposed to come out, which I do. I've got two. Uh, box is coming. So I'm hoping it's this week. Uh, AEW Upper Deck is uh, the first product is being released after some delays. So you've got AEW Scorching Hot Wrestling Product, Upper Deck coming in, which I think Upper Deck has a great brand. Collectors love Upper Deck. Putting out that product. You've got WWE Panini Prism. Prism, you could just say, is the gold standard right now in terms of cards. All, this is happening at the start of 2022. What, what do you think this means for, for wrestling cards? Like, wh- what, do you, what kind of impact do you think these new licenses are going to have to the little niche of the hobby that we like to collect in? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, definitely a good thing. I definitely think it's gonna, we're going to see a growth of more collectors coming in just with seeing those names, right? So, you know, with Upper Deck and the AEW, um, you know, in, in my opinion, and we talk about this, I think that AEW is the best thing on wrestling right now. Um, and so there seems to be a lot of excitement over the release of those cards. I think my only concern is, is that you look at it and some of those pack odds to get some stuff, you know, is really desirable or pretty, pretty steep. So I'm curious to see if people get that and they're busting a whole bunch of wax and they're not really getting any kind of return on their investment, you know, is what what's going to happen after that. But then I'm also curious to see about when people pull those big hits, you know, like the autographs and, you know, the high end type stuff, what are those selling for? Are those, those real high end type stuff, or are they going to be something that you look at it and say, Hey, to find something like that based on the checklist odds, I've got to rip a ton of wax. So I'm curious to see about that. I think that's going to be hot. Um, you know, but I really think Panini with WWE is, is a big thing, especially with them losing their license in the other sports, but Prism is just so big. Um, just like you said, it's kind of that gold standard. And so when, when the everyday person sees Panini, Prism, WWE, it's right around the WrestleMania. You know, hopefully we've got some big matches going in. Um, you know, and there's a lot of fire behind that. You know, I'm real curious to see what the checklists are going to look like. You know, are they going to have guys like The Rock? Are they going to have Hulk Hogan, John Cena? 
those guys that, you know, kind of paved the way, the undertaker, um, you know, guys that paved the way, are those guys going to be in that product? And what, what, what are they going to be in? Is there going to be gold prisms of them? Is there going to be autographs, you know, the different parallels, things like that? Or are we just going to be stuck with the current crop of superstars, which as we've seen, they've built to, to grow those folks. And, you know, it's a lot of the same matches over and over. And I think people are kind of getting frustrated because it's a little bit stale, you know, and then a lot of people are hesitant to invest a lot of money in somebody because, you know, the next week they're getting released. And so I, I'm just real curious to see what those checklists look like, because I think obviously the big chase cards would be, you know, The Rock and Hogan and Cena, Undertaker and Stone Cold and Roman Reigns and like those big, big names like that. And so what is their presence going to look like in that product? For sure. And I think part of the reason why we enjoyed 2021 Chrome so much, and I, I could, I'll speak for both of us. We've spent a lot of money on singles in that product, but I think you, you and I have talked about this. Why we like that product is because it highlights superstars and parallels shiny, scarce cards of those superstars. I mean, hell, like I'm trying to think of rookie, uh, Baba Tunde, who's in general Aziz. No one's buying Chrome to try to get his one-on-one. And that's what I think is so fun about wrestling cards is that, yeah, they're, you can run it, but it's, it really starts at the top. Like for me, and I know you, like, I want to collect the, the scene is the rocks, you know, Roman Reigns, uh, Becky Lynch, like these established superstars. So I think Chrome worked for me this year because it was centered around featuring those and I think Prism will be the same way. So I'm interested to see like new people coming in. Will they be trying? Will they be trying to get rookie cards in and go after the prospecting thing? Or do you think like that's not even going to be a thing and people are just going to be after cross our fingers that they're in it? The the legends uh, like Taker, uh, Cena, Rock of Prism. Like, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think newer people coming in will be after the legends you know, more so than the newer folks. And it's just because really, you know, like they don't know the newer folks as much. And like we've talked about it, you know, whether it's Vince or whoever's really running the show at this point, they, he didn't like people getting bigger than the company, you know, like we saw at the late nineties and early two thousands, because, you know, then those folks could go and get these huge contracts from a different promotion. And now that AEW is a promotion and with Tony Khan having, you know, pretty much an open checkbook, you know, much like Vince, he doesn't want to push anybody to where they get bigger than than just the single promotion because they can go somewhere else if they can get more money. And then they've put all that effort behind building up that superstar. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's tough to really look at prospecting into wrestling because it's like, gosh, you know, there's guys like Cena and Undertaker and Brock. Those are kind of like once every 10 year kind of talents. And, you know, you look at it, and Roman Reigns has been that guy for, you know, the last five or six years. But outside of him, I mean, who's really kind of grown through the system that is somebody that you want to sink a lot of money into? And, you know, really, it's really the women, um, you know, people like Charlotte, Becky, Sasha Banks, um, you know, folks like that, Alexa Bliss. But on the male side of thing, it's just it's it's really lacking there. It is. I think for me outside of Reigns, just with the newer stuff, like I've been turning to like uh, Randy Orton. I've been turning to like an AJ Styles. I've been even starting to like look at Seth Rollins a little bit um, where if I think about like, you know, five to 10 years from now, like 
I think they'll have a significant place. I would say like someone who interests me, but I, I've got a couple of his cards, but like, I like a riddle. I like a Matt riddle. And I think maybe it's because I've always liked him, but then his association with Orton and he might be someone three years from now, we see wrestling Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I don't know. But like for me, for now, it's more like you got to be established if I'm pumping hundreds of dollars in, into you. Yeah. Well, and, and, and then I also think there's the big debate too over, you know, the look of wrestlers, right? So, you know, Matt Riddle, I think I like him. He's a good character and all that kind of stuff. But when you look at him, you know, is he, is he the guy that people look at and like, man, you know, if I saw that guy, he's going to my butt, you know, and there's a lot of, when you think about who are the all-time greats, I mean, the rock is massive triple H John Cena, the undertaker, Hulk Hogan. They were all these just huge guys, um, you know, that were great on the mic and, you know, sometimes the best performers in the ring or whatever, but they just, their character was phenomenal. And, you know, now you look at some of these and you're just like, you know, I really like enjoying these folks wrestle, but when I look at them, they just don't intimidate me. They don't, you know, they don't really get over that way with me. Like some of the other kind of all-time legends did. Yeah. Wrestling in the profile of the performer has certainly changed um, over the last several years. Maybe we close out with this. Drake, I think we spent a lot of time talking about Topps Chrome stuff that we like. Panini's coming in. And we've seen this, obviously, in every sport. Maybe the closest to WWE is UFC. What do you think this does for Topps Chrome WWE or Topps product, like long-term, like having Panini come in? Do you think it makes it less important, less valuable? Like how, how would you look at it from a collector's perspective? Yeah. I mean, I think from a collector's perspective, we can only really look at parallels to, we'll just take basketball, for example. Right. And you go back and look at like, okay, you know, LeBron James had what, six years of Pops Chrome refractors and parallels and things like that. And those typically go for big money, um, especially the gold refractors and black and the rare and limited and scarce and things of that nature. And so when you look at, you know, the, the Topps product in, in WWE, looking strictly at Topps Chrome, you had 2014, 15, 20, and 21. So really folks could only have maximum of four years of that. And so when you look and there's just that finite and there's, you know, there's only one super fractor, certain folks from that year. And, you know, there's only 50 golds and, you know, say you're in a gold in every set, um, which I don't know if anybody if anybody actually did that. So let's say it's like two or three, right? That's 150 gold refractors of the rock that are out there because he was in 2014, 15, and 20 in the base set. And so you think, okay, well, there's probably more than 150 people that would want a gold refractor of the rock. And, you know, whenever Panini comes out, if the rock is in the Panini set, um, you know, like what if he's not in that set, right? Then you say, geez, you know, there was only, 150 gold refractors of the rock. If Hulk Hogan's not in Panini, there's only Hulk Hogan was only in 2015 Topps Chrome. He only has 50 gold refractors and there's a huge gold rush. Everybody wants gold of Brady. They want gold of Manning. They want gold of LeBron, um, you know, things of that nature. So I think that can all do good things for that Topps product just because you have that built-in scarcity aspect of it. And then you look at grading and there's just so few of those that are in high grade. So, you know, with Benini coming in, just to answer your question, I think it's it's a good thing for the Topps product. It's going to be great for Panini. It's going to be great for wrestling collectors. And I think it's going to be good for everybody. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think for those very reasons, it's why 
I continue to be bullish on collecting what we're collecting in that space. And I hope anyone out there definitely like our, my big thing too. And I know Drake, you're like this too, with new people. It's like, ask questions. Like I've asked so many people who've been in wrestling cards longer than I have questions along the way. And it's been super helpful, but um, I think it's fun and you and I have a good time and it's changing. So um, it'll be definitely a conversation. We'll, we, we got to pick back up uh, come WrestleMania time when, you and I have absolutely no money because we're trying to pick off, uh, Oh, cross our fingers, rock, uh, Hogan, Cena, Reigns, gold refractors. I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine what those will be going for if they do in fact exist. Oh man. hundred percent. That'd be a blast. And shoot, you know I mean? We, we should look at maybe going to WrestleMania and maybe we can get some boxes at prism and we could bust it, you know, right in the middle of Cowboy Stadium or something. I mean, what's better than that? There's not much. I, I'll have to see if I can uh, break away. And it, it is two nights of WrestleMania this year in Dallas. So uh, everything's bigger in Texas. So maybe we that would be a hell of a story if we, you know, ripped down a case and pulled something nice and share it off there in uh Cowboy Stadium. But uh, we'll have to think about that. But Drake, man, I appreciate it. We'll have to get you back on here and uh, happy collecting, brother. Hey, you too, Brett. Thanks as always. I absolutely love connecting with people like Drake, people who are collecting and operating in the same lanes as me in the hobby. Hopefully you learned something from this one. And don't forget to check out our Instagram accounts. We're going live. That'll be on my page. If you're not going to see it live on Friday night at some point, go check back and listen. We're going to be showing off some of these cards. Most importantly, take care of yourself, take care of other people around you, and I'll be back with more Stacking Slabs podcast next week. 